Welcome to Women Unfiltered, a podcast empowering women to step into their authentic selves every damn day. I'm Lynn Calloway, an entrepreneur, wife, mother, and a woman in tech. And I'm Brie Griebel, a rescue mom, health and wellness enthusiast, musician, and also a woman in tech. Join us on this journey as we navigate our friendship, identity, and differences and challenge you to do the same. Welcome back. We are on episode three of Women Unfiltered. Uh, I think that we were originally going to talk about birth control and hormones and health. And and I think like we might touch on some of those things in this, but I think what, uh, you know, the state of the economy and the world right now and tensions are heated for a good reason. Um, and this is really when, this top of mind. Um, yeah, I think we're just going to like go with this one. We have it. no plan, <laughs> no plan, no agenda here, um, but just important stuff. So I told Lynn, I was like, Lynn, we got to get this. We got to record this. So um, who knows? We may not use this. We may use it. But I feel like uh, it's good discussion and good things to think about um, and consider long term, um, yeah, sure. you know, especially coming up on elections. Uh, we are, what is it? It's almost October now. It's September 26th right now. And so, yeah, Lynn, I don't know if you want to kind of kick it off and, and start chatting about just some of the, like, you know, you were talking about contingency yeah. plans coming yeah, up on sure. elections and all that. And yeah, for sure. I, um, I was just, you know, explaining and, and definitely want to dive into more detail about that in general, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, as a woman, as a black woman, um, the mother of a black boy, uh, I'm married, married to a black man. And I am just, and like I was telling Brie, look, and in, in no way, and I, I almost feel like I, sh- I shouldn't need to say this, but it's just on my heart. Um, in no way am I trying to be dismissive of anyone's issues. Look, we're all going through it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a deadly virus, uh, that is what at this point has killed what 203,000 people. Um, people are not only dying from COVID-19, they're dying from other issues. People are stressed. They're stressed. And when you're stressed, your immune system doesn't work as it should. And it just makes you susceptible to crap. Um, and it, it, it just, and we're in that, in that situation as a nation, as a whole, Um, so no way do I want to come off that way, but what I do want to say, I can only speak from a black woman's perspective. I can only, I can't speak from anyone else other than my experience and, and what I'm going through on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I would encourage anyone else to, to do the same. Um, but as a black woman, I am scared. I'm afraid. I... I have anxiety all the time, all the time about just existing, just doing, like I said, like you have COVID-19, obviously. So people are just having anxiety in general about, you know, going out into the public and, and interacting with family, interacting with people in general. But like, imagine that exacerbated by, okay, you know, my interactions with the police, you know, and I was telling Bree this not long ago, like, 
there's always this inherent inherited like feeling like when a cop is in the area like when a cop like we, we my husband and I can just be driving down the street and I can see a, a, a police out of my peripheral but whether he's behind us or we're approaching him or whatever and like I'm immediately overcome with fear I'm overcome with fear for myself I'm overcome with fear for my husband, for my son, who, by the way, kids have also been casualties of um, police brutality. Um, and it's not that, like, I don't want to make this out to be a thing of bashing cops, like, in no way. Um, I, I feel like they're in, they're doing a, a really tough job, and um, we're, they're needed. Obviously, they're needed. I just feel as though, I don't know if it's the training that they have. I don't know if it's, well, actually I, I do know. And you know, this information is, is public. It is the training. Yeah. It is the training. Um, they're not in most cases, what we're seeing, not coming in deescalating the issues mm -hmm. and you know, Shoot like first ask yeah, questions exactly, later. Exactly. And I don't, you know, I don't live in other countries, but I, I see like, you know, in, in the comments on social media and other countries don't appear to other um, um, industrialized um, countries on the same level in terms of, you know, the economy and, and, and government uh, like like the UK and Canada and places like that. Mm -hmm. um, they don't appear to have this issue on this large of a scale. And I don't know, I don't know if it's just the training of their officers. I don't know if maybe some of their officers don't uh, address certain issues, for instance, uh, issues of mental health where cops mm -hmm. are called in to address those. Maybe, you know, they're sending out another resource officers officer to really deal with those issues. I'm not really sure and I, you know, our listeners, if you guys live in other countries, by all means, please give us feedback on this. Like, why does this appear to be an issue here in the United States of police brutality? And it has been for quite some time as it relates to, to black and brown bodies. This is nothing mm -hmm. new. And like I was telling Brie, like, um, I was about, this, was, this would have been 1995 or six. So I was a kid, definitely a kid, small kid. And there was a black man in my hometown, uh, Athens, Georgia, a very small town um, in, in the state of Georgia, smallest county in the state of Georgia. And um, his mother, he was having a psychiatric issue. His name was Edward, Edward Wright. Yeah, Edward Wright. And um, his mother was having, uh, you know, issue, uh, issue with him with his mental health. And... Uh, he was outside, you know, naked with his clothes off, wasn't armed at all. He was just acting erratic. Uh, and so she called the cops because that's, you know, that's what we've been told to do. We've been trained, hey, you have an issue, you have a problem that you want to solve, you, you you reach out to the police officers. And she called 911 and they came out and he ended up being shot. He ended up being killed. Um, I believe Edward was probably like, I feel like he was 21, 22. Um, I don't have the his age right in front of me, so I'll probably just comment on our social media with, with this information just to fact check myself, because in no way do I want to 
send out incorrect information. But he was in his 20s. He was a young man. And at the time, um, he had a son. Uh, and he was killed. And so with these, and we've heard this story so many times with cops going out to situations where you're having issues with people who are having mental health um, issues or mental health episodes, and they're being approached with with violence. Mm-hmm. And it's not to come in to de-escalate the issue, to find the resources for these people, what they need. I mean, let's. I mean, we can get into just talking about how this country deals with mental mental health to begin with. Right. Right. Just that from a um, a healthcare perspective, let alone. Right. So yeah, there's definitely room for improvement. And I feel mm-hmm. like with Black Lives Matter, that's pretty much just what they're saying. That's let's look, let's reevaluate the system. Let's reevaluate yeah. the situation. We don't have the answers. We we don't know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, let's reevaluate this. And they're being protested against and they're being approached with so much vitriol and hate and i'm just like i don't i don't i don't understand that so help me understand because i don't understand how someone can protest that their life means something and you counter protest that right it i don't know it doesn't make sense. your feelings aren't valid you know (laughs) like what like (laughs) like that doesn't make sense to me i understand the issues where it's like not even you know, it's a lot of white people that are are protesting, but they're destroying things instead. Yeah. And like, I, I part of me is kind of like, wait, this isn't your fight. And I feel like some people are making it like about themselves mm. when they're not like a you know black person or a brown person. Mm-hmm. Like they're making it more about themselves and. Like I get supporting and being an ally and at, like speaking out and um you know and, and doing it actively you know day in and day out and and but you know there's so much more that's systemic <laughs> that relies on um like policy changes and everything that like it, it's I feel like sometimes when I see it on social media I'm like you're making this about you and it's not about you mm-hmm. like um like let's give like back black people and brown people like voices and let them tell their story and Mm -hmm. let them be heard and feel validated because Mm -hmm. you should. And Mm -hmm. like, and when I see those things um, and, and like, I understand, you know, if it's a black person, a brown person, like being angry and just be like, because every day now it just seems like you have so many people Yes, supporting you, but you also have a whole lot of people and like just the government essentially mm-hmm. saying like, no, your life isn't equal because they're not doing anything to change it. So <laughs> like how how does that get changed? And like it goes so much deeper than just like, you know, just being an advocate for one another. Like, yes, that's important, but like how do we change the government? And that's voting. Like voting, voting is a voting. big, 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 big part of that. And I know um, this election coming up is a scary one. I think because I I don't think anyone wants either candidate, but I, I 
well, okay, that's that's a lie. I think that some people definitely are passionate about like one <laughs> one over the other, obviously. Like, but but again, it goes to the two party system, and like we just are. I f- I feel like um, we're just held to only doing things a certain way still, and like have this system that we've been in for so long that continues to not work. Like, why why is this the way things are? But I think there's a there's a candidate. Uh, that obviously like if we were if if trump gets reelected um i'm scared for what is going to happen <laughs> truly i think you brought up a great point um there are some folks that have hijacked the movement for their own their own self interest i i completely get that um but by all means, we need the allyship. Yeah. Um, because now I think more people are realizing that this is not just a black issue, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, we, you know, it's just not a black issue. I mean, you have interracial couples, you have interracial families, um, you have people who have close relatives that are of African descent. They are black. And we have been in this country for a very long time. Um, we, you know, have a place here. But many of us don't feel like we're wanted. It's just yeah. as simple as that. Um, whether it's the system, whether it's society as a whole, let's just, let's unpack that, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just think about that. Like, if you had a child or relative who who says, well, mom or dad or cousin or grandma or whatever, you know, I, I just don't feel accepted by you. I don't feel wanted. That'll stop you in your tracks. That'll make you want to think about it, right? That'll make you want to, okay, well, son, daughter, cousin, aunt, whatever. Well, let's talk about it. Like, why don't you feel wanted? Like, we're saying that and people don't want to have the conversation. Oh, well, you're yeah. making excuses. You know, you're making excuses. You, you haven't been slaves for hundreds of years. You're not oppressed. And it's like, well, slavery was the start. Let's, and by, and by the way, it was a, a horrific act. Yes. It lasted for 400 years. Right. Yeah. If anyone is in bondage and just think about the mental anguish, Mm-hmm. And just the abuse that people endure for that long. You don't think that's going to have an effect, generational effect on a group of people. Right. And that you have to continually fight for, for that. just and, basic human rights. Like, right? <laughs> for oh, it does, your life. It for your life. Right. It doesn't. It, and it doesn't end in 1865 when slavery was yeah. abolished. No. It doesn't just end there. And now you're, you're, you know, you're, you're not in the place where you were brought. You, you're not in your, your home place, your home country. You're in this, this place that your family were brought to. You were given different names. You don't know your name. You were given Molly, uh, Emily, Elizabeth, Lizzie. Uh, you were given someone else's last name. Uh, you know, and now you're thrusted into this society that doesn't accept you. They don't think you should have your rights to begin with. Mm-hmm. And now you have this system called Jim Crow that by all means, it wasn't slavery, but 
<laughs> it might it might as well have had have been. Um, it was a form of oppression, right? And you had, I mean, my mom was born into, or my grandmother was born into that that era, right? And my mother was born in in what sixty two, so kind of the tail ill the 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 tail end. I mean. Um, of the civil rights movement. And um, so my, my, my folks lived in this and people who are alive to this day. And, and not only did you have issues of Jim Crow where people were treated like animals, they weren't allowed to go as they pleased. They, wasn't a, they weren't allowed to go into a restaurant to have a, a slice of cake <laughs> or a burger, wherever they wanted to go. They were confined to their communities and to areas where this governmental system, because the government allowed these things to happen, mm-hmm. deemed fit for them to be and deemed acceptable. And what let's think about policies that came out of this era. You know, you had issues of redlining. Um, you, it, it was just a mess. And so now these people are dealing with this. And then now you're also dealing with police brutality. Cause like I said, this is nothing new. My people have been dealing with this since they were allowed to uh, frequent the streets. And we have been, I mean, look in the records. We've been talking about this. Mm-hmm. Now it's something that is salient to most people. Cause there's now it's being recorded and you know you can't escape it and you're seeing it on the news you're seeing it on social media you can't you know it's in your face you have to deal with it but we've been saying this and now that we're bringing it up and now people want to make it a war against you know cops and blue lives matter and all that and they do blue lives cops do matter but i i don't want people to get away from the fact that these police officers chose that line of work, right? You went into a place, you, you thought, hey, you know, I want to be a cop. I want to serve my community or whatever reason these cops want to be cops, right? And yeah. you go online or you go into the precinct and you apply for a job. And from my understanding, I think they go through a, in, through a, like a police academy and all these things. And then they're, mm-hmm. they're made, they're appointed as cops, right? That you chose that path. That was a career path. No different than my career path in marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your career path. And we appreciate yep. that. But you chose that line of work. Yep. I can't choose to, I can't wake up today and be like, you know what? I want to be a white woman. <laughs> yeah. No, you cannot. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe technology someday, but like, maybe why? eventually. <laughs> <laughs> weird. That would be weird. I'm gonna say, I can't. Um, I can't do that. I can't. <laughs> I can't. And let's not even get on this whole transracial thing. That you know, this whole thing. You know, with with your Rachel Dolezal's and that whole thing. But I can't. I can't wake up and be a white woman or a white man, and I can't escape that. That is what you see before you know my background. Before you know that I'm a mother. Before you know my family history. Before before you know my occupation, you see that I'm a black person. Now, why you come? Why why you um are uh, are come up with different biases or thoughts before getting to to know someone? That's something you need to deal with. That's only something you can deal with. 
But before you know any of these things about me, you or about my father, when you see him in the street or my son or my husband, you already have these 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 preconceived notions. Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't escape your personal day to day dealings. Now you have these same people who are on the police force. And they have their own biases about a group of people. And another thing that um, I think, you know, like I said, people want to talk about black on black crime. Again, let's have that conversation, right? You want to unpack that? Let's unpack that, right? Black on black, black on black crime in any areas where you have, and I challenge you to look at this, look at the data. In any, in most areas, in any area where you have a high crime rate, typically not far from that, those communities or within those communities, you're also going to see um, an increase in poverty. You're going to see an increase in people not, not having the resources that they need, whether it's education, whether it's jobs, what have you. It's a very complicated issue. And by the way, it's no different than white on white crime. Like you're, when you have these interactions within your own community, you're going to have crime within those communities because that's who you're in close proximity to on a day-to-day basis. It's just how it works. But look, it's just, I feel like it's something that people like to bring up to, to silence people's voices when they're making legitimate points. And I, I do, I do believe, you know, black on black crime is an issue and I do believe that it needs to be dealt with. Right. No sooner than any other community, but let's deal with it with holistic ways. Let's let's think of outside of the box. Let's be innovative in thought. Let's come together and think about how can we what's going on in these communities where people feel like they need to sell marijuana or they need to sell drugs or what have you to take care of their families. Let's think about that. Let's think about now you throw these kids in jail for like a small dime bag or whatever it is that they have. And now they're institutionalized and they're, they come out of the system with no training. Many of them can't vote. Um, there's no sort of rehabilitation. Now we're, you know, now we're getting to the, into the com- the conversation of criminal justice issues. Right. So mm-hmm. it's a cyclic, nothing is happening in like this vacuum in this bubble It's all interconnected. And we have to see it that way, right? So I just, I, I would challenge anybody to to just to just have these conversations and <sighs> I, yeah, just have these conversations and, and learn about it. And, you know, yeah, so I, I'm, I'll be honest with you, Bri, I'm afraid. I don't know. I don't know going into this election, like, you know, you, you're hearing like, you know, the current president is not gonna, he's not gonna go down without a fight. Like, what does that mean? I mean, just look at his actions, you know, right. in terms of what he's doing to kind of, you know, saying that, you know, the mail-in ballots are, are gar- garbage and they're fraud and just already trying to put doubt in people's minds about the way that we've elected the executive branch forever like this is Mm -hmm. and oh by the way this mail-in ballot thing isn't this isn't the first time we've done this like states 
states do it. Many states already are doing it, and they have been doing it before COVID nineteen mm-hmm. happened. And then during times of of war and things like that, we've we've given the option for mail in ballots. Look it up online. Yep. Um, so this isn't a novel thing, but like when someone wants to be in power and they don't care how or what they need to do to get there, you know, all bets are off. And so, look, if this is the candidate that you want to be in office, you're 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 open to that. You're you have the freedom to to believe whatever it is that you want to believe. But I just feel like the decency and. I feel like that's what's on the ballot. Like that's what's on the table right now. Like decency mm-hmm. and like unity and fear. You know? Like how do you yeah. expect to have a great booming economy when people are fearful all the time and they dread going out into the community and right. they're not healthy. They're dying at alarming rates. Like, this is all interconnected, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, how eventually your your economy, your system's going to suffer if people aren't taken care of Mm -hmm. on a basic level, on a basic level. Like, I'm not even saying, like, you know, that we should just depend solely on the government, but the government... Um, in times of need like this need to step up to the plate. Right. And again, like when you're, when, when you have the healthcare just so shoddy the way that it is, the healthcare system, I mean, let's not even get on like being in college debt and just all these different layers that just add to the dampering of the, of, of folks's quality of life on the most basic level, those things need to be addressed before people can even feel like they can breathe. Police brutality. Let's let's go in and let's let's bring innovative thought into how yep. these systems can run. You know, why is that? I don't know why is that a, a such a a big ask. Like, why is that something that people want to fight about? Because of money <laughs> and power, and it's so fucked up all the time um i feel like that's the only way like that literally that is the only reason i can think of because why would you not want things to be better why would you not want there to be peace and you know situations to be de-escalated you know before you kill and shoot somebody and take their life away um like why 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 is that such a hard thing to fight for why are basic human rights such a hard thing to fight for why can't people just treat everyone equally like i i and i think it like money i mean i i have to think that that is the only Mm -hmm. reason is money and greed and power in that sense and you know, that's a lot of things in life. That's why a lot of shitty things in life happen is because mm-hmm. of those things. Mm-hmm. Because people think that they have the authority or like they have the, yeah, the power over others to, you know, treat them disrespectfully or like animals or whatever the case may be. And so 
Yeah, it's just, it's scary because I think it just goes so much deeper than anyone could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. It's not just like our local governments, um, Mm -hmm. obviously. (laughs) Um, But there's just, you know, I'm not a conspiracist, but I think that, I don't think that the government looks out for the greater good of all people. (laughs) Like, I just don't. Well, there might be some good players in the game, but yeah. uh, well, not I, here because uh, I've yeah. heard of other places. You know, look, no, no, no country's perfect, but I've heard right. of some places getting it right or coming close to trying to at least make an attempt to get yeah. it right. You know, what are some of the and top I countries? Because I know you you've done a little bit of research. Mm, that's a good, that's a good question. I know uh, New Zealand. The prime minister there, she's 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 talked about a lot, and uh, apparently she's done a really good job with battling this COVID nineteen thing. Yeah. Um. What's her name? Let's let's look that up. I said New Zealand. Yeah. Is she a prime minister or president? Is it Jacinda Ardern? Pardon? Jacinda, Prime Minister of New Zealand. Yeah, Prime Minister. Yep. Yeah, Jacinda. Jacinda. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like I've heard things of like, I don't know if it's like Norway or Finland. Yeah, Scandinavian countries. Yeah, yeah. They've kind of always been the forefront of um, the conversation in terms of quality of life and how people mm-hmm. feel about their outcomes. Um, and you know, I, I believe both of these countries have, um, let's see, before I say that. <laughs> I don't Norway. Oh, wow. Interesting. I'm looking at you, usnews.com, and they rank quality of life. Yeah, quality of life rankings. Again, this is usnews.com. I'm not sure you know, the resource here, but like quality of life, Canada is number one. And then Denmark, Sweden. Yeah, so Norway has some, some like a hybrid version of like a single payer system from what I'm seeing online. Looks like they pay in, they pay into the, for their treatment, it says here, um, says that they must pay for all treatment and even a standard consultation but once they have reached an annual limit of expenditures, um, they receive an exemption card, which entitles them to free treatment for the remainder okay. of the year. So, if if this any if we have yeah. yeah if we have any listeners out there that have lived in any of these countries or from any of these countries, by all means, uh, you know, give us feedback on on your healthcare system. Like, does it yeah. work? For, does it work for you? Like, what? Like, how do you feel about it in general? Um, Mm -hmm. So they have some sort of like hybrid system where they're subsidizing. They're subsidizing the cost to some degree um, where they get a exemption card. Um, And it doesn't it doesn't say that they have to meet any uh, income requirements or anything like that. Uh, We know that Canada has a single payer system. Um. New Where Zealand. would you move? Let's say Trump is reelected. Where would I move? <laughs> would you consider moving out of the country? <laughs> oh, good question. Um, have you considered? Uh, you know, those thoughts have been there early on. 
you know, they have been there early, especially like what when he was first elected. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they they've I, I'd be lying. They've been there, um, and I'm you know I'm I've considered just in general outside of him or, or politics or anything like that. Uh, but Ghana, West Africa has has definitely been a place where. Um, I wouldn't mind being. Yeah. Uh, my my family came from there. Uh, they were brought over here from from that region, specifically that area, Ghana. Um, and they have been, from my understanding, they've been very welcoming of anyone from the African diaspora, and those are are you know, anyone of African descent here in, in the Americas or the Caribbean um, who were direct descendants from that area. Um, and so they've been very welcoming of that. One of the only nations that have been just like, you know, yeah, we want we want to have a place for you to, to feel accepted and, and bring your innovative thought and help us, um, uh, you know, just build our community in general. And so that, you know, I, that was one place that I've considered, but ultimately I come back to the fact that this is my birthplace. Yeah. You know, this is my, where my family is. This is, this is home. This is where my ancestors work their backs, you know, work you know down to the bone, their, their hands, you know, um, uh, developing, this economy, which yeah. they did off the backs of, off their backs, free label, uh, free labor. Can't talk today. <laughs> um, good. Uh, but they've provided free labor for. Just imagine, like if you had a business, right, that you were able to pass down. Let, let's kind, let's look at the United States as like a business, which, to be honest, we are. Um. And just look at it that way, right? You had a business that you were able to pass down generation to generation to generation where literally you did not have to pay for labor. For 400 years. That just, that wasn't, that wasn't an expense on your books, on your profit and loss sheet. Like that just wasn't an expense that you had to, you had to pay, right? And, um, just imagine like how far ahead you can get. Just imagine the amount of money you're able to save and invest and reinvest and build. Let that sink in. Like, just think about that. So like, I think about that. I think about my ancestors and, you know, I, I have family members who were just as recently in the 1880 census still listed as servants. Yeah what, 20 years, almost 15, 20 years after slavery had already ended? They used to moonlight these things as apprenticeships. Like, oh, they're doing an apprenticeship. It was really a form of slavery. It was really a form of indentured servitude. And there are records where my family members were still a part of of some form of bondage, even well after slavery ended. And it wasn't just unique to my family. Many African-Americans endured that, right? Um, and so, so it wasn't that long ago that family members 
my own family members were still providing free labor. And I just think about my ancestors, you know, what, what they had to endure to just live, to just survive. And I always come back to like, I have a right to be here. I have every right to be here. I have every right to speak up when I don't feel like I'm being treated fairly or my family's being treated fairly or my, or my people are being treated fairly. You know, any community of color, any community in general, if you feel that way, you have every right to say something about it, you know? And so I always come back to that, like, no, this is home. Like, and, you know, we just have to get out and vote. We got to do what we got to do to put people in place to make better decisions for us and our, our existence. And so I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> and I don't even like, remember. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what did I ask again? <laughs> about, about whether or not I want to move. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it's been a thought, but I always come back to, you know, this is home. Yeah. This yeah. is home. Um, no, but that is interesting to think about. And I feel like a lot of people, like you said, after Trump was first elected, um, he considered moving out of the country. And I'm sure some people did. And I have a feeling, too, if he's reelected, I just, with everything else that has happened this year, I just am scared <laughs> no matter what and, like, what happens. I mean, mainly if Trump is reelected, I'm just scared what, like, unrest there is going to be, I mean, between the government and people and... But I also feel scared if Biden's elected because <sighs> of, again, the president and people who support him signaling that they're not going to go down without okay. without a fight. Mm-hmm. so either way i'm like well what the fuck does excuse me shouldn't use foul language but what does that mean yeah what does it mean what i does, what does that mean so in, in my community what we say is those sound like fighting words like that's right those sound like fighting words Like that's to me, that's what that sounds like. Like, <laughs> so, and then it's like, well, who's going to be doing the fighting? Yeah. I'm also <laughs> just like, what is he going to like? What the, what? I just don't look at him as being as very, a very strong individual. I feel like he is a, I don't know. I feel like he's probably a puppet and a lot of like other bad people that are in government in their like playbook. Like he, I just don't, I don't respect him. So I guess I just don't take him that seriously in terms of like, literally, what are you going to do if you're like, you're not president, you're just, you're not president anymore. I don't feel like you can do anything. I mean, he's got a lot of money still. So (laughs) maybe there's that. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) and one one thing that he, a strategy of his uh, has been like to fill the courts with all these judges right and like with this new supreme court that they're about to announce that's no different and if they're betting that this whole thing is going to go to the supreme court you know he's meaning the election a decision on the election then he feels he probably feels as though his odds are pretty good which is probably a part of this whole 
thing, um, this whole strategy of his. But so, are you saying it would go to the Supreme Court? In what? Sense? In terms of a decision. So, like, do you remember the whole Al Gore thing with um, Bush? Okay. I believe, like, it was like a um, Florida was was the whole issue. Like, who won Florida? And like oh, okay. how and how that had to go to like the courts for a decision, that whole thing. Um, but I, I don't remember what political pundit said this. Maybe it was Kasich. Um but he mentioned he said something along the lines of, I mean, yeah, things can go to court, but the election is announced and that's the president. Like the president is the president. The president elect is the president elect. I mean, you could take it to the courts all day. But, and maybe you win and maybe you don't, but there's still a, you know, the election is still decided. Um, and so, but my thing is, yeah, I get that. But if it's in limbo, if any of this is in limbo, what does that look like? Does that look like the president is holding the White House hostage until he gets that decision? <laughs> right. Is it that, you know, he relinquishes power over to, well, I'm assuming this is going to happen before he, is supposed to relinquish power over, which I think is like in January, like mid-January sometime, I believe, is when they, the the president has to like transition completely. Yeah. Um. So he had he would have time, but like, but like, what does that mean? That's that's really what right. I'm at yeah. the end of the day. Like, what does that mean? I don't know. And what does any of this? What does any of 2020 mean? <laughs> Yeah. And then like like I said before, um, like if if Biden wins, there are a lot of people that don't want him in office. So what does that yeah. mean? Like it's just I don't I just don't feel good about this. I wanna feel good about it, you know. I wanna right. go in and feel confident that my vote's gonna count, it's gonna get counted, we're gonna have a decision and we're gonna go on about our day. Mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily know if everyone else is on the same page. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I know everyone is not on the same page. So, yeah, we'll see, I guess. I know there's a lot of talk about, like, oh, well, you know, people have the right to say what they want to say, and, like, people aren't going to go back into hiding and this, that, and the other. And I, I believe that. But, like, I don't want people who feel that way to be in hiding. Like, I want to know what... I'm dealing with like I want to know that like I don't no don't go back into hiding don't 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 move from one platform to another like if that's how you feel right with that mm-hmm. because I don't need those people in leadership and I don't need those or not just I we you know but I'm thinking in terms of my own personal experience with discrimination but I don't need we don't need those people in roles of leadership at companies where they're making decisions for a population of people that reflect something completely different from their ideology and making decisions for others, whether that's government, whether that's jobs, you know, I just don't feel like those people should have that level of say and that level of power because you can't separate the two. Yeah. How can you, you know? And I think that's where it gets really weird. Like when you have these people who are racist and they don't care. 
and they're going to spew their stuff in positions of leadership. So many of them have been quiet and maybe even just talked about it amongst their own family and friends. But now many of them feel very bold and they're on social media and they're out in the stores and they're at the movie theaters and all these different places. And they're very bold with it. And yeah, I, I feel like we need to know who those people are. And look, everybody should be able to take care of themselves and make a living. And no way am I, because, yeah, no. And no way am I saying that. Um, but I just don't feel as though they should be allowed to be, they should be, they should be allowed to be in those positions where they're making decisions or influencing decisions for others. There's just, there's just so much <laughs> unrest right now. And I feel like at times I don't even know what to think anymore or what is like mm-hmm. and it doesn't I, help I know. that we're like all just like stuck in the house because yeah we are yes register to vote mm-hmm. like please register to vote vote.org there's a couple different websites where you can just check and see if you're registered i checked and i'm already um registered at my current address so make sure that you follow what you need to do to get registered mm-hmm. in your state and yeah I think that's it. Anything else, Lynn? Nope. But they were good. They were good. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Women Unfiltered. Until next time, remember to be true to yourselves, your authentic selves every damn day. Thank you for tuning into the Women Unfiltered podcast. Follow us on Instagram at women.unfiltered and stay up to date with new episodes and show notes at womenunfiltered.wtf. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, and share this podcast with a friend. As always, our views and opinions expressed are our own and solely for informational and entertainment purposes and do not express those of our employers.